Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. When I was working at McLaren, starting with that clean sheet, it was important to establish a design language that had never been done before because at that level, you don't want to copy other, you know, mix and match different design solutions from different companies and turn it into that, what, what I call a minestrone soup. It really doesn't taste like anything. Um, but if you can take the concept of nature, of why things are fast or developed to be fast in nature, what makes those designs fast, and you can apply that to a car design, then you must be doing something right. And I did that at McLaren by studying um, fast animals, fast birds, fast fish. They're all... I would call it shrink-wrapped. In other words, there's no excessive material on these on these fast uh, organisms. They're all basically honed to almost like an athletic-looking body where there is very little BMI, you could almost say body mass index or, or, or mass to them. So they're, they're almost like hungry-looking in the sense that there's no superfluous surfaces. In other words, it's not rounded, it's sucked in. It's almost like what I call shrink-wrapping. And that has given the McLarens that I've worked on for the last 10 years, that distinctive, honed, uh, very athletic, very light, very fast look to them, and very unique. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Great. Welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I came across your work by way of your publicist who told me about the work that you did. And when I saw what you had done and the cars you had designed, I realized, oh, wow, those are the cars that every probably boy who ever thought about becoming rich has fantasized about since he was a little kid. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, I want to start by asking you, what is your earliest memory of doing something creative uh, that shaped and influenced who you've become and what you've done with your life? Wow. That's a... <laughs> I thought I was asked, I've been asked everything in my life, but that's the first time I've heard that one. The first thing I've ever done creative in my life. Um, it, I think everything I've ever done is pretty much leaning towards having been creative from the very start. Um, I can remember, I mean, if we want to look at the drawing side, that's all I ever did when I was a kid. I, I rarely went out. I spent, I spent every moment I could drawing i grew up i think almost with you know some people grow up with uh bikes or getting out and playing in the sandbox i don't have any memories of that i have memories of sitting at home uh drawing on a piece of paper or copying something that i've seen in a in a magazine or something or a comic book and drawing so that's i i can't place that date but i know that it basically is one of the first memories i ever have is just sitting there with a pencil or a piece of paper and, and drawing i mean I mean, obviously, I was drawing something, but it probably was something like, I don't know, I grew up in Morocco, so it was probably a horse or a donkey or something. But um, definitely, uh, the creative side has always been the artistic side. In other words, drawing or, or doing something like that. Do you remember what sparked that interest, if anything, like where that even started? Well, you know, everybody says it, or uh, people typically have influences from their parents on on whatever they end up doing or start taking a passion uh, towards when they're growing up. My father wasn't much of an artist. My mother was pretty much more into the creative arts. Um, she was, I, I remember, you know, the first memory I think I have of home, uh, the smell that triggers home is oil paint. So I remember my mother was always uh, into oil painting and, uh, spending a lot of time in the kitchen painting. So I, I remember that the creative spark from, from that artsy side might've come from, from her. But on the other hand, um, you know, uh, I, I'm not really an artist. I'm more of a, a designer, which might sound a bit uh, like an oxymoron in, in certain way, because uh, a designer is an artist, obviously, but he's more of a thinker in the sense of being able to come up with something that, doesn't exist and is able to make it exist if that makes any sense that has a purpose to it so there's yeah. a lot of science involved in, in in a person who's a designer too um and that potentially came from my father he was he was really on the uh technical side and uh the mechanical side the industrial side of things uh he wasn't much of an artist and my mother wasn't mm -hmm. much of a, a designer either she would paint but um i think if you distill those two elements together you'll probably come up with some uh, similar traits and other designers that have that kind of influence when they're growing up. 
Did you have siblings? Uh, do you have siblings? And uh, if so, did they end up on similar career paths? Nah, yeah, I have a brother, older brother, two years older, but we're chalk and cheese. He's uh, he's he's not hands on like me. He's much more of um, uh, just just completely on the other side of the spectrum from me. I'm completely into doing things with my hands and constructing things and getting my hands dirty, pretty much. Uh, whereas he, he was pretty much of a, he, he read a lot, you know, he was into his research and things like that, a bit more, uh, into the book side of things. But I, I always just love getting my hands dirty in the sense of creating things, you know, um, and, and using my hands to make things and, and not say I don't like reading because I'm an absolute, uh, you know, as crazy as it gets when it comes to getting a magazine or a newspaper or, some research information in front of me. I, I, I do that with a passion, but I, I love using my hands to create stuff. I can relate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I wonder, having grown up in Morocco, mm-hmm. uh, you, here in America, particularly you know, in the last few years, one of the really unfortunate things that has started to happen to our education system is that arts education is being cut from budgets because of the you know questionable value of it, which I think is completely insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder, in a system like Morocco, what is the education system like, and how does a person like you mm. uh, fit in or stand out? I mean, does that kind of a system spit you out and you know chew you up, uh, or do you actually thrive in a system like that? How does it differ from you know, what yeah. we experience here? I, I, I think it. I mean, I, for me, it was a positive way of, of becoming what I am because if you look at those kind of what we 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 look back and we say they're exotic upbringings, you know, if you, you know, people think of it, Morocco in the sixties has been about as exotic as it can get. But at the same time, it's, and the education system obviously is important, but I don't think the education system really comes into play until your later years when you start grasping the the concept of education. In other words, you can, you, we're educated as kids, you know, going up uh, when we start going to school, but that's basically just fun and, and learning basic things that doesn't come across to you as something that you need when you're going to be older to apply it to it's uh it's a different way when you start getting into your teens and 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 years where you can start thinking about what am i going to do for the rest of my life then you start thinking of education as something that's going to benefit you i guess long term i i just happen to be wired if that makes any sense to do what i do i don't think i could have really been not that i couldn't have been successful at something else but i think what i'm optimally wired to do is to be uh uh, to be what I am today. And I think a lot of that stems from curiosity. I've been e- incredibly curious about things throughout my whole life uh, since I was a kid. That's why I, I like reading. Uh, that's the similarity I think that I mentioned I have with my brother. But I just devour books. I devour information. Uh, and nowadays it's a lot easier, obviously, with the internet and things like that. But basically, I think if you're... Designers, designers aren't really... Uh, made, if that makes any sense, or, or you don't become a designer. Um, I think you can try, but the ones who are, say, successful or, or you know, hit, hit home runs all the time are the guys who are basically that way since they were a little kid. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to learn to be curious. I, I don't think you can actually do that. Or, yeah. or to have that passion for, for drawing or, or, or thinking of things that don't exist. It kind of puts you into another dimension as a kid. And a lot of us don't have many friends when we're growing up simply because we yeah. seem, you know, not, not that you're an oddball, but basically you, you, you get your enjoyment, your kicks out of doing something uh, that most kids don't even consider. You know, people think it's work, but for me, it's uh, sit down and draw and, and come up with ideas, conceptualize ideas for solutions to things is, is what, what, what revs me up, I guess, what gets me all excited and enthusiastic. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I when I look at creative work, right, people, many people see writing in the same way. And I, I say, look, like, I don't see this on a, as an obligation or an item on my to do list. I see it as a privilege, uh-huh. <laughs> and something that I just look forward to in the morning. I in it. fact, I would go insane <laughs> if I didn't do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely true. If I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be one of the, you know, extremely frustrated. I, for me, it's almost therapeutic. I guess you can you can relate to that because you know, a lot of people get into music because it's therapeutic or they get into poetry, writing, whatever. The creative side of, of, of life is is for the guys who do it is kind of, um, it's not work. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it's the only way you really, you, you don't do a nine to five job when you're in the creative profession. You basically live live the lifestyle. And 
and enjoy it. I mean, there's frustrations along the whole way because sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. But yeah. ultimately, when you do get it right, it pays back all that effort. It that because uh, it's it's tiring. I mean, I you know to be to be I don't want to just say designer. Anybody who's in a creative profession, you don't really turn off. You're always on. You're you're on the receiving end all the time, picking up influences or inspirations from 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 everywhere. So you don't really shut off. Uh, there's no like yeah. Saturday Sundays. I ain't, you know I'm taking time off. It, it doesn't work that way in the creative mm-hmm. profession. So, um, but I enjoy it. I mean, for me, it's the only way way forward. It's uh, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Maybe sports or something. But I think. Uh, my outlet yeah. and my satisfaction and quality of life comes from, from being creative, I guess. So uh, you mentioned earlier that designers aren't really made and they're born. And mm. it, it kind of brought to this question of, you know, and, and maybe there's no real answer to this. Cause I think that people have told me when I've asked a similar question, like if I had the answer to that, I'd be a billionaire, <laughs> but yeah. like, why does somebody like a Johnny Ive become a Johnny Ive or, you know, why do yeah. you know people who design at that level become capable at that level? Like what is that that enables that? Um, for one thing, luck doesn't exist. I have never, ever believed in luck. What I do believe in is, is being in the right place at the right time and taking advantage of that, which is basically the definition of being able to be lucky, I guess you could say, because luck is what you make. You know, you, you see an op- a situation or an opportunity and you don't just sit back and hope it, you know, something happens. You have to make it happen. So I've been brought up with this, um, philosophy that, uh, it, nothing's going to be handed to you. Um, if you want something, you have to go out and get it. And if you want to make a success out of it, you have to put in a lot more effort than the next guy. And that there's always somebody out there that's going to do a better job than you. So don't ever be, you know, sitting back on your laurels thinking you've, you're number one because you're not. <laughs> there's always somebody else out there. But with the case, like you mentioned about Jonathan Ives, basically, I would say he's one thing he's obviously got the talent to to do what he's done you know you don't get to that level there without having uh some kind of merit or or value of being able to to do that kind of uh job well so um but then when the opportunity is there he's been able to grasp it he's been able to not just turn out a beautiful product but look at, at he what he's done or what what apple has done in, with him involved obviously is look for a product that most people didn't even imagine or know or think they needed but he's or or wanted but what he's done is he's come up with a solution for something that nobody's asked for if you if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense so a lot of people if you ask them what do you want or what do you need they have no idea they're not really designers they just take what what's out there and use it but if you can come up like they have done with a product that basically turns turns your life around gives you you know some kind of uh, advantage that you've never had before, and it does it in a in a com- successfully commercial way as they have done it. Then, then they've hit it on the head. So he's Jonathan Ives is in the right place at the right time. Saw that, saw the opportunities and the, the technology available, and he's put all those factors together and come up with a, a, a hit, pretty much. And they've continued on it because they understand the market and they've created, a, you know, a, um, a value to the product and uh, established a whole. You know, Apple now is is one of the strongest brands out there. If you're uh, a customer of Apple, you buy anything they come out with, and you don't question it twice. Um, yeah. You know, you, again, the competition is chasing them all the time, and uh, it's not to say that they're always number one, but they have to really. They, they've set the, the bar pretty high with uh, with their products and with that mentality. So I think what it what it is, in, in you know, in a nutshell, is being able to understand first of all, hoping you have that talent not hoping but if you have it you know it i guess you, you know because that's what you live for you don't think about trying to design you just or, or or write music or anything like that you do it and and the good guys do it well and pull it out of thin air and can make a success out of it but if you're if you can't do anything further than than do that then you're a bit limited so if you're put into a situation where you can actually carry that idea onwards um and, and reach a market with it then that's what makes the, uh, the, the, the whole thing makes it, makes a success out of the people who are, I mean, when I grew up in Morocco, the, the farthest thing from my mind was going to the United States, uh, and studying car design. I mean, that was like, it didn't even make any sense. And I was drawing cars like crazy as a kid, you know, I grew up, you know, 
getting interested in cars around 10, which is around the age that most kids start thinking cars are pretty cool. One day I'll be able to drive one. But uh, I lived in Casablanca and Istanbul in those years there, and I never, cars weren't really, you know, a thing in the the culture of those countries. But for me, I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with them. And the, the loving to draw and loving to be able to come up with an idea for a car that didn't exist was, was fascinating. I had no idea that car design was a profession. I just thought, you know, cars, you, somebody pulled a switch or a lever <clears throat> and out came a car. I didn't know that you could actually sit there and design it and have it built and that it would come out and be sold. I had no, yeah. no awareness of that. But um, yeah, so, wow. so basically it's just setting yourself up mentally and, 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 and playing your cards right and getting putting yourself into the situation where it can happen. Well, I think that makes a perfect segue to talking about your actual work. You know, you talked about setting yourself up mentally. I mean, you sign up for a life, I think, in any creative profession where nothing is guaranteed and anything is possible. Uh-huh. So how, as somebody who signed up for that life, do you go from that to being the person who's the head of design for, you know, Ferrari, McLaren, the yeah. cars that I think every young boy has fantasized about yeah. uh when we jokingly say one day when we have fuck you money. Yeah, exactly yeah it's not easy believe me um especially in those in the arts because everybody's trying to stick a, a knife in your back and smile at you at the same time because everybody wants that kind of career you know or or get to get get, get to a level where they can say you know they've they've accomplished quite a bit um and it's a rat race, just like anything else. You know, everybody is fighting everybody, and it's a dog-eat-dog world. But uh, the guys who have success and manage to um, – it's kind of hard because you have to be a team player when you're working on those kind of things. You're not working for yourself. You're working for a company, and the company expects you to uh, design a product that makes them profit uh, through your mm-hmm. your creativity and your hard work. So. Um, <clears throat> You don't just, you know, some people are one hit wonders. They'll do a product or a, a piece of work and then it goes, it comes out and it's successful, but that's the end of it. And you never hear from these people again. The ones that, um, you know, are sought after, the kind of designers that are sought after, are the guys who can repeatedly do something uh, consistently at a level that is profitable for the company. And, 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 and even more so if you can be, if you're not stereotyped, Hey, it's Trini. I hope you're liking this episode of The Unmistakable Creative. Did you know that every Sunday, our community manager, Melina, sends out 10 key takeaways from episodes like this one? All you have to do to receive it is sign up for our newsletter. Just visit unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter, and you'll get them delivered right to your inbox. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter. Well, so, you know, one thing I, I wonder, what in the world goes into the process of designing an automobile like a Ferrari or a McLaren. Um, and, and the other question is, why is it so damn expensive? Like, you know, you look at these things mm. and you're like, okay, that is in, in our heads. And I do want to actually talk about this from a very di- psychological perspective. That for, I think yeah. for many of us, we think that's the pinnacle of achievement. If I'm seen driving around in this thing, although the funniest mm. thing I've, I've ever heard about this, uh, Naval Ravikant, who's a, a venture capitalist, uh, you know, extremely wealthy guy in Silicon Valley, early mm-hmm. investor in dozens of companies. He said, he's like, none of these cars are practical to drive on the streets. And you think about Mm. that and you're like, right, of course. Uh, But we'll get to that. What I wonder is what does the design process look like for such a high end car? You know, and why? Yeah, I'm sure it's um, yeah. Especially because our design studio, well, any design studio is sort of like a, a layer, you know, a secret layer, bond layer where things happen that, you know, uh, like magic potions are, are put together and out comes this, amazing product and how does that actually work which uh and nobody's allowed inside the design studio because you know it's the secrets of the company are being held for for the next three or four or five years so people are pretty curious all the time but it's um how does it work i'll tell you what the the secret is that the 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 not the secret but the the interesting thing is that the cheap easy cars cheap meaning not expensive not that they're bad cars but that they're you know, everybody can drive them. So whatever they're bread and butter cars are just as fun to design as the high end exotics. There's, there's no extra pleasure I would say, or, or enthusiasm designing uh, a super exotic hypercar as there is to designing an everyday car. 
um, I, I tell you, I see a lot more minis than I do McLarens and Ferraris that I've designed around. <laughs> yeah. around. So it's like you get to see your kids a lot more often when they're, when they're more popular than, than if they're high end exotics, you know, that you only see once a, once a blue moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but the funny thing is the, the responsibility is the same because if you design a bad car, in other words, a bad looking car that doesn't sell very well, yeah. that's going to be a heck of a lot more expensive for the company than if you design a, a beautiful car. So, um, in terms of investment, because the company has to sell these things. And if it doesn't sell well, no matter how, what end of the market you're at, the losses are incredible. So the pressure's on one way or the other. If you have, you know, Mini, for example, you design that, that's, that can be a, a, a huge success and create so many jobs and new dealerships and, and, and satisfied customers that the impact can be even huger than designing the latest McLaren or the latest Ferrari, which mm. people, you know, kids will put them up on their bedroom walls and dream about them and hope one day they might be able to see one or get inside one or even drive one. But at the same time, you can affect a lot more lives <clears throat> with, with the cars that people are able to afford. So, so you're as enthusiastic as a designer to design any of those cars along that spectrum. It doesn't, doesn't you know, people think, oh, you must be fat, you know, in heaven designing McLarens. I was. And I was actually more in heaven designing McLarens than I was at Ferrari um, because the fact with when you're designing a Ferrari, uh, it's been around for 70 years yeah. more around. And you have to design a car that looks like a Ferrari. Whereas when I went to McLaren, the brief was open. They didn't really have a history of, of road cars. They were a racing car company and to design a, a road car for a company like McLaren, okay, the, uh, you know, the cachet is, 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 is pretty significant impressive but you, i had to create a look for a mclaren there was no family feeling no no design language per se to to base off uh to use as a, as a kicking or a starting block for the uh for the new mclaren design language so that was fun being able to create a mclaren the way you envisioned the mclaren to be you know you're not restricted by something that's been done before and it has to have that family feeling look um when you go about designing it any product i think um you don't just jump, you know, start right away with, with turning out ideas of what this car is going to look like. Um, it might sound like that that's the process. And most of us, when we start designing, design uh, just with a p- uh, blank sheet of paper and um, a big pen in our hands. We don't use computers like a lot of people think we do. It's basically just throwing ideas on paper with a pen. But the secret, I think, is to design, is first to research a lot of research. You have to go in and look at what the market needs. You know, the marketing team will come in and tell you, this is what you, what we expect you to do. But even the marketing team can get it wrong. Um, and, and you don't really necessarily design what they're asking you to design. You design, or I design what I think they need or what the market needs. And that, that is a different way of looking at the, uh, design issue. The design, um, challenge is to design what you think they need, not what they're asking for. Um, <clears throat> so when you design at the high end, it's just the same as when you design it at the other end of the market. You're coming in with research on, on what the competition is out there uh, or what it's going to be like in four or five years. You kind of have to be a, a kind of a, you have to see uh, there's nothing hard because we don't know what the caution, uh, competition is doing in five years' time. Yeah. But if you can envision what trends are, if you go back and see what the trends are in design, you can kind of calculate what's coming next. I mean, if I told you that cars now are starting to uh, come out that have laser headlamps, you would probably think I'm crazy. But uh, we used to have just normal headlamps, and then we had, uh, you know, Xenon, by Xenon headlamps. Now we're actually starting to come out with laser headlamps. Well, there might be something that comes after laser headlamp. <clears throat> which there is actually, no. um, but you have to start thinking on on that sort of level there. Um, so if you're designing something at the high end, like like say a Ferrari, McLaren, Maserati, whatever, Lamborghini, you have to start thinking of solutions that don't exist today, and you have to try to work with an engineer who is about as crazy as the designer uh, <laughs> to make those things happen. Because what happens in the low in the lower segments and the high volume segments is they don't want to take chances on on new technology. They want to leave that to the guys at the high end 
mm-hmm. to take the chances and you know it's a lot of investment to to come up with new technology but that that technology at the high end will eventually trickle down so you'll start getting um high end materials costing less and becoming uh yeah. say uh normal things in 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 the industry but it's a challenge because if you're going to design the next new Ferrari, you can't just design another car. It's got to add something to the market mm. or bring an advantage to the market uh, on something that doesn't exist at the moment. So you're working constantly on these ideas, these fantasy ideas almost, with a with a logical mind uh, of of a product that could work, right? It, you don't know if it's going to work or how, how to make it work. But when you get the crazy designer working with a crazy engineer, that's when the sparks fly. That's when, when the impossible becomes possible. Um, I've never really even taken that uh, approach where this isn't going to work. It's just how to find a way to make it work. Um, that, that negative approach that we've never done it before. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be too expensive. Um, we don't know how to do it. All that is just negative, negative vibes that designers hate anyway. So we always try to hook up with engineers who are as like-minded, I guess, as designers. They're looking for innovation and things that make the um, the world move forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I guess to, to me, the, the, there are two things I wonder. So is the cost of these cars just based on the economics of supply and demand just because of the fact that, I mean, the market for McLarens is what, limited yeah. to these and billionaires? I'm like guessing how many of them they yeah. sell. Not many. No, no, that's the thing. Nobody needs these cars at at this end of the market. Ferrari, who who needs that car? I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, you 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 can either buy a car, you can buy a couple houses. You know, uh, nice houses at that. So nobody really needs those cars. Those cars are, and any anything you design has to, for me, to be successful, has to touch the emotional nerve of the customer, of the potential customer. In other words, you have to. You can't. It's Rarely is it a practical decision nowadays. People expect quality, so if you buy something, you don't expect it to break down, you, you uh, or it won't sell over a long, you know, period of time. People are just won't won't have any any trust in the product. So, pretty much anything that you buy these days has got a sort of inherent level of quality to it. Mm-hmm. So then the design question becomes: um, Does it touch you emotionally? Does it touch your emotional nerve and make you want to buy it? And of course, there's subjectivity to design in terms of taste there's good design and there's bad taste or sorry good design and bad design that's there's a scientific side to that but taste you can't account for so um when you're designing at the high end you got to make sure that whatever you design has some element of emotionalism to it such that the customer needs that product in other words he's maybe not expecting to buy it but when he sees it he's just got to have it how many things, you know, in everyday life that we think we're not even thinking that we need it, but you're walking down the street, you look into a window, you see a product or a shirt or, or any element or product, and you say, I wasn't expecting to buy that, but I definitely want it now and I need it because I just love it, the look mm-hmm. of it. So that's the kind of um, uh, feeling you have to give to a product like like a Ferrari or like a Maserati. Yeah. Uh where where it becomes an emotional factor of of pers- emotional purchase uh element one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why united healthcare offers a variety of flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more so whether you're between jobs coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hmm. You know, it's funny you mentioned that this stuff, you know, sort of trickles down to the lower market because I have a, a, you know, the new Mercedes A220 and it's literally Mercedes lowest end car and you sit inside of it and you're like, this looks breathtaking inside. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, I realized that what they were doing was they were creating a line that was accessible to people who are buying Toyotas. Yeah. Uh, and that to me was kind of mind boggling, which was, was super cool. But one other thing you mentioned earlier is about resting on your laurels. So mm-hmm. as somebody who has to basically take these iconic cars. How each time do you go about, you know, doing a new one, avoid resting on your laurels? Like, how do you say, okay, how am I going to outdo what I just did? I mean, it's a McLaren <laughs> or a Ferrari, for God's sakes. Like, simply, as it is, you know, yeah. to outdo. Simply because the, 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 the nature of a designer is that he is never satisfied. You can't be satisfied as a designer. I, I've never, true hand on heart, never fallen in love with anything I've ever designed almost have a hate relationship that I've had to stop designing it and hand it over to the engineers because there's always one, one more idea that I've wanted to bring into the design or one better modification that I've wanted to do. And, and at some point, because it's got to go into production, they make you, they force you to hang up your pencil and, and, and start something else or, or, or just let them get on the engineering, get on with it. But mm-hmm. I, I am constantly unsatisfied with anything I've ever designed, I tell you, if I had to redesign or get back on any project that I've ever designed, the, the result would be different from what's on the road today. I, I just have this constant uh, desire to not finish, a, to, to make something better than what yeah. it is. And uh, again, how do you do it? I don't know. I just, uh, it's almost like the ideas within my head are just constant. I've, I, I, I always feel there's a better way to do something. Uh, uh, a more efficient way. When I say better, I don't just mean different. I mean, there's a better, either, either it's, uh, uh, has a, a, a performance value to it, or it adds an aesthetic value, of course, to it, but there's always a better way to do something. That's, that's how my mind works. And, and again, it's very frustrating because I'm never really satisfied with anything, anything I look at in a restaurant or when I go shopping or, or anywhere, I'm always looking at something with a viewpoint that, that isn't as good as it could be. Uh-huh. So, um, and of course you get your inspiration from many different sources. I, 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 I'm really, really obsessive about, uh, it's a term called biomimicry, which is when you, uh, designers get their inspiration from a lot of different sources. You know, you can be inspired by architecture, furniture, fashion, whatever. I always go back to the true most intelligent source. I think it is, I think I would call it is, is nature. Um, and and that is for me a wealth of of uh, knowledge, a wealth of inspiration that you can let. You, it's unbeatable. Um, there's there, in in nature, it's rare to find something that's not beautiful. And if you think about it, it's not really designed; it's just evolved to be extremely functional and best of the best. In other words, it has to survive and has to 
uh, you know, continues. So the, 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 the design and quotation marks of anything that nature is in, uh, responsible for is pretty much an optimized design. So if you can use that as your inspiration for things that you design, you're, you're on the right track for, for the best solution, for the um, most functional solution at the same time. And uh, it's, it, it can develop a unique design language. Uh, that, that, that inspiration can help you develop a unique design language. This is what I did when I started with McLaren. We had um, no, like I said, no real history of design, road car design. We had race cars, but you can't, realistically, you can't design a race car to be a road car. So you have to come from a different angle. And when I was working at McLaren, starting with that clean sheet, it was important to establish a design language that had never been done before because at that level, you don't want to copy other, you know, mix and match different design solutions from different companies and turn it into that, what what I call a minestrone soup. It really doesn't taste like anything. Um, But if you can take the concept of, of nature, of why things are fast or developed to be fast in nature, what makes those designs fast, and you can apply that to a car design, then you must be doing something right. And and I, I did that at McLaren by studying um, fast animals, fast birds, fast fish. They're all, I would call it shrink-wrapped. In other words, there's no excessive material on these, on these fast uh, organisms. They're all basically honed to almost like an athletic-looking body where there is very little... BMI, you can almost say body mass index or, or, or mass to them. So they're, they're almost like hungry looking in the sense that there's no uh, uh, superfluous surfaces. In other words, it's not rounded, it's sucked in. It's almost like what I call shrink wrapping. And that has given the McLarens that I've worked on for the last 10 years that distinctive, honed, uh, very athletic, very light, very fast look to them. And very unique. So there's no confusing, you know, I hate it when people say all oh, cars look the same. Uh, that maybe is to the untrained uh, eye for a lot of people. But when you start looking at what makes a, a BMW look like a BMW or a Porsche look like a Porsche, you have to hold on to certain design cues or d- different, certain design elements that give you that family feeling that runs genetically throughout the, uh, the brand. And so to create that, you almost, it's, it's not easy to create that because it's, like I said, most things do seem to have been done already. But if you go to nature and use that as an influence, which has rarely ever been done, um, then, then you can start to create something very, very unique. And, and I think that's been a big part of the success of McLaren in such a short time is that we've been able to come up with a, a practical solution um, where the design looks good but it looks good because it works well. In other words, the uh, that typical form follows function is one of the most ugliest things I've ever heard of in my life, uh, or, or even stupidest things. Form doesn't follow function. Form is function. So I would say that both are, you know, one equals the other. Whereas if the if the product functions well, it's naturally going to look well. And if it looks well, it's because it functions well. So it's you get one right, you get both of them right at the same time. One of my favorite ways to spread the message of our mission here at The Unmistakable Creative is through speaking. In the last few years, I've delivered keynotes and workshops to professional associations, large companies like Citibank and Meredith Corp, and even small ones on how creativity can lead to better working environments, fuel innovation, and increase the bottom line. So if you think I'd be a fit for your upcoming event and want to learn more, visit speaking.unmistakablecreative.com and get in touch. Again, that's speaking.unmistakablecreative.com. So I love the fact that you you brought up this idea of you know looking at things that uh, you know you design never being satisfied with them. I mean, you have a mm. documentary called Chasing Perfect, which I think really makes a perfect mm. segue to how you know I want to you know finish up our conversation and talking about sure, that. sure. So you know, I told you about the fact that um, when all of us are children, you know, particularly boys, I think we look at those cars and we think, yeah, mm. that is that is the pinnacle of achievement. That is what mm. life is about: is to get one of mm. those cars. If I have one of those things, that's how I'll know I've arrived. That's when (laughs) I'll be happy. And of course, we have all the research in the world that shows that that's not true, that we can't solve our internal problems with external solutions like McLaren and Ferraris. So as the guy who designs these things and somebody who perpetually looks at the things you design and isn't satisfied, how do you even think about that? 
Um, well, so you, what we're doing is we're capturing a moment in time, and we're capturing capturing a moment in in society of what society uh, wants at that moment. I mean, if I was to design a car uh, the way I envision a car would look like for 2070, I guarantee you it'd be a flop because nobody is living in that day and age currently, and it probably wouldn't adhere to the technology that we have today in terms of what we need. Uh, and, and in the same way, if I, if you look back, just, just backtrack, if, if a car today was offered back in 1910, it would scare the pants off of, of people and they would probably refuse to buy it. Um, you have to design for the age you're living and in the society, uh, that you're living because, you know, different markets have different needs or, uh, desires and, uh, you're designing a car for Africa. You wouldn't design something that's super luxurious and there aren't the roads there to, to, to support that kind of network. You have to design what's practical for the, uh, the times you're living in. Um, yeah. um, if, if kids are thinking that this is the best of the best, it's because that's the best at the moment. Um, what's funny is that we get to do, we do get as designers, the, the chance often to flex our, or muscles, I guess you could say, and do what we call concept cars that can show the public pretty much what's going to potentially be out there in, in 10 or 15 years or even 20 years ahead. The funny thing is, if you look backwards again, those concept cars from 20, 30 years ago have never materialized and actually look kind of ridiculous if you look back at them and think, you know, what were those guys on? What were they smoking? Because that is so far off of what we have today that it's ridiculous. And it's the same... I mean, not that they were, you know, there's anything wrong with them when they were designing them, but that's the same thing that's probably going to happen to the cars that we design today or envision today, today for the future. They're going to look ridiculous 50 years from now because they'll say, they'll say the same thing. What were those guys back in 2020 thinking or what were they smoking? Because that is absolutely not what we're doing as, as vehicles today. We're moving kind of in that direction now, which might seem a little bit strange to the, the, the current current generations we're, we're moving slightly away not away but to a solution i would guess that would that helps to to change the age of mobility in the sense that we're going upwards instead of staying on the roads uh purely on the roads there's a whole trend now to what's called ev toll aircraft which is getting mobility up in the air um mm. that will lessen not maybe lessen the amount of traffic on 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 the ground but improve the flow and the efficiency of getting from one place to the other. It's kind of like the air taxis, I guess you'd call them of the future, where uh, the the infrastructure is is not expensive because you don't have to build roads in the sky, so to say. Um, but you land, you build the landing ports and the vertiports, they call them on the tops of hotels and different areas where you can land vertically or take off vertically. And you're, you're flying with the, with uh, electric electricity. So you're not, as as polluting as as a car or vehicle um mm. you're getting there much quicker uh comfortably and and uh we're trying to move towards autonomous flying so you don't have pilot error uh so so that that at the moment if i tell people about that they kind of think i'm off on one and, and not really <laughs> but the fact is it's coming we are flying uh, these planes do exist and they work so efficient that it's unbelievable. It's kind of like finally the age of the Jetsons has arrived and mm. it's here. Now all we have to do is pass certification with uh, the agencies that control, you know, air traffic and things like that. And they have to be absolutely safe because that's, that's the, that's the, uh, the, the biggest obstacle is, is being very sure that these things are safe and if you remove the pilot and become an autonomous uh, craft, then that helps to be safe, believe it or not. You know, a lot of pilot error is responsible for accidents. So, uh, but this, this age is coming. It's coming uh, very soon and we're, we're, we're almost there. Um, and so when you look up and you see these, these air taxis that probably don't even look like airplanes anymore, because I've always believed that the most efficient forms in, 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 in the air are not birds they're actually fish fish go through a medium that's a lot denser than than air and so they have to naturally have a shape that's much more efficient so aerodynamics and hydrodynamics are actually the same thing just one's thicker than the other 
So if you have a optimized shape that goes through water, imagine how much more efficient that is when it goes through air. So there's a whole direction now of aircraft design that is starting to move in that direction of of really using much more efficient shapes than what we see in the air today. Um, and, and yeah, so it's uh, it's an exciting world out there. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, cars aren't going to become less less desirable. It's just probably a new generation of, of kids coming up now that aren't so interested in purchasing their own vehicle. They want to, you know, use the money for experiences and, and, and using it to get from one place to another, but not owning objects, which we already see that in society, yeah. but um, making that, that way of getting from one place to another safer, more enjoyable, more comfortable is, 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 is definitely one of the trends we see coming, coming forward. So, you know, you, you just might see the day and age now in, in a few years time when kids aren't putting cars on their bedroom walls, they're putting these, these EV toll aircraft that kind of look like exotic fish that don't exist uh, on their walls because they look so, so, so awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I guess for me, the, the sort of deeper question is, you know, somebody like Jay Leno mm-hmm. comes to you. I know this from just having seen the mm-hmm. trailer for the documentary, he buys a car. You know, I think that all the psychological research shows, right, that we get this shiny new toy, the satisfaction from it lasts for whatever, you know, long time we think. Well, granted, like I can mm-hmm. tell you from having upgraded my car, I thought the satisfaction wouldn't last, but it's uh-huh. because it was the first really nice car that I had that I never stopped enjoying it. But um, you know, the the question I think really is, you know, when somebody like that does that, does that satisfaction last? And, you know, as somebody who basically has spent your life, you mm-hmm. know, in your own words, chasing perfect, how do you live a life that's actually fulfilling and avoid bringing that uh, notion of looking at everything and saying, how could I make this better mm-hmm. to personal relationships? Mm-hmm. Because if you did that, I think to your wife, she'd probably go to hell. Uh, no, <laughs> No, it's obvious. You, you, it's obvious that perfection. I, I think I have said it many times. Perfection doesn't exist, but I think the mentality of chasing perfect is a is an ideal way of of of, of everybody in life to to be. You know, um, it's not it's not right for a lot of people. There are a lot of people who just want to, you know, go off into the country and live as 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 easy in a life as possible, as, as stress-free as possible. And, and they're completely happy that my brother, again, my brother bringing him in there, Raul was just like that. He, he didn't have aspirations to change the world or to better the world or anything. It was more about just, I'm going to exist and, and be happy with that. But we need people in the world who can, uh, make the right changes, uh, at times when it's absolutely needed. I mean, if we, if we, sort of stayed with the status quo that is is not gonna help anybody i mean it, it will we'll probably pollute less or you know we'll we'll, we'll find ways to, to make the world uh, sustain us or, or or you know not be damaged by by progress but at the same time it's uh was it was it steve jobs i think that said you know the, the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the people that do change the world and you need those kind of peoples in society to move the world forward. They're, they're fantasists, you know, they're, they're seen, they're deemed as the loony guys out there, but they're the guys who do provide solutions to the world that the world doesn't know they need them. But when, once they're shown that, you know, there are uh, solutions out there that can make the world a better place for us, then, then, you know, then they see it in a different light. But um I, I can't help. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's right or wrong what I'm doing, but if I am not satisfied with something, it's only because I want it to be a, a better solution. And I'm enjoying right now uh, sort of a, a renewal to my um, a renaissance to my design career because I've finally realized, I don't know if you could say finally realized, I've known it for a long time, but the work I've been doing at the higher end of the market of the automotive design market like you said, doesn't reach a lot of people. In other words, it's it's not affecting too many lives in a positive way. And I've reached that point now where I think I've still got you know, a good 15, 20 years of design, I hope, left in me. I'd rather take all that knowledge I've got or I've, I've accumulated over those three decades and use it in such a way that I, I reach a bit of a larger audience in a, in a beneficial way. So I've I've left McLaren about a year and a half ago and I've taken on these different projects that are uh, definitely going to affect the world in a, in a much larger way than just designing high-end exotic cars. 
which again to say is not a bad thing designing high-end exotic cars because like we said it's trickling down that technology a lot of people say what's the sense of a of a high-end exotic car that nobody can afford or very few people can afford well that's the test bed for the technology that will enable cars in the future to be safer and 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 more enjoyable and, and and things like that so you have to start at the high end to bring that trickle down that technology okay but looking past that if i can design something now which uh i am not to let the cat out of the bag but i'm working on the uh safest infants uh, safest infant car seat ever so um you know one of our most prized positions is uh, possessions as 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 people are future generation our children so what better thing than to provide a seat for your child when he's growing up or in his younger days um that will ensure him to be a heck of a lot safer than anything else on the market at the moment so this new baby seat that i'm working on will be a revolutionary seat that uh that surpasses by a long shot anything else on the market today i feel really good about that it might not sound as fun to design it as a as a high-end hypercar, but it's definitely as rewarding uh, when, when it when it does reach the market. Yeah. Ah, wow. Wow. This has been uh, really, really just uh, eye-opening, uh, thought-provoking. This is one random question out of morbid curiosity. Sure. Do you get to drive yeah. these cars or get to own them just because you designed them? <laughs> oh, man, God, that's that's where I get angry. They don't give us these cars. <laughs> oh, you can't replace my Mercedes so if my roommate goes out and for a joyride and crashes it. Nah, I mean, I'll tell you that, that I, I don't, uh, you know, because a lot of these cars are limited anyways, you yeah. know, if they're going to build 399 of them at, at, at a million and a half each, they don't want to just give you one. Uh, <laughs> uh, although you're respond as you're, you're kind of the daddy of it because it looks good and it sells well, but it's frustrating that they don't give them, give them to you. What they do let you do is they let you, um, drive them around. Uh-huh. They let you, if you go to another city in the world for an event or whatever, the, the the dealer treats you a bit like royalty and and promotes the fact that the designer is here and look he's driving the car to this event so you can feel a bit like a stud in that respect but at the same time you don't really get to own these cars unless you you pay out a certain amount of cash for it which I've never seen telling you the truth I've never seen the reason why these cars cost so much like I said it's the cost the same to design a a cheap small car as it is an expensive car you get the same kind of thrill and you put the same kind of energy into the design of it um but at the same time it is a i mean also when you get to these cars like mclarens and 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 ferraris the performance levels of these cars are so high that a normal guy is never going to know where the limit is to drive them at that limit so i i do get the thrill of being able to go to a test track and having an incredible test driver nail it and yeah. show me what the car can actually do you know and and uh, for me that's 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 a huge thrill i wouldn't want to drive like that every day of the week but once in a while to get to feel the the limits of a highly super hyper exotic car is is kind of fun to get that that opportunity wow. um i've never owned a single car that i've ever designed so wow. it's, uh, but there's always i guess they always say the next one maybe you know and the next one's going to be the best one and hopefully yeah. i'll <laughs> maybe i'll own it I'm more into bikes than I am into cars, by the way. Oh, wow. So, well, hey, you know, if you're, yeah. if you're ever in Denver, let us know. <laughs> we'll come hang out with <laughs> Denver dealer. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take a trip to the McLaren or the Ferrari dealer, and we'll see what we can do for, yeah. for the weekend. Um, well, I have one final question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. As you've probably heard me ask this, I know you've heard our interviews. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something mm-hmm. mistakeable? Say that again? What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Uh, unmistakable in what sense? Well, you know, it's funny because I've asked this question to so many people mm. uh, and mm. everybody has different answers to it. I'll give you the definition yeah. that I came up with for the person okay. writing my own book. You know, I define unmistakable as something that is so distinctive that nobody else could have created it but you. Ah. Unique? Yeah. You mean, uh, what makes somebody... Well, definitely, I mean, nobody can design what I... It's almost, uh, again, going back to that wiring concept, we're all wired differently. You know, it just takes a couple different uh, neurons to fire to make something unique on, on, on one person's uh, a radar, I guess. Um, I, I, we all have our, our tastes and we all have, you know, our ways of being, uh, projecting our taste to the world or, or, or what we like and not like. But 
I, my, my upbringing definitely um, influences my, my, my identity, I guess you could say. I, I mean, I, like I said, I grew up in Morocco and these countries, so you can't expect somebody with that kind of upbringing to have the same uh, design tastes or, or outlook on life as somebody who was brought up in a small town in the middle of you know, Oklahoma or somewhere. It's got a, it, it, there is influences in your life that, that do guide you and form you as you, as you grow up. I, I have a very uh, uh, unbiased, unrestricted view on cultures of the world and on people of the world. I find every place I've ever been fascinating, and, and typically I see the you know there are negatives to every country and and, and things, but I, I typically am optimistic in the way I, I I I view life. So I tend to concentrate on the on the, on the good things uh, or on the positive things that I can learn. And that kind of makes me generally to be viewed as a happy person, somebody who, who, who's smiling all the time, which is not a truth. It is not, not really the fact because a lot of us creative peoples are very, very um, moody. I guess you could say we can, we can almost seem bipolar at times, but uh, I think it's just a fact of, of life that if you're a creative person, you're, you're, you're 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 an optimist but at the same time little things uh we're not thick-skinned creatures so to speak anything can affect us mm. uh pretty hard and we're sensitive to the extreme um especially if you're a libra so <laughs> but i think i think um what makes us unique is basically for one sure one one definite thing is 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 your parentage the way you're brought up in your family and and you can be completely different to your siblings, or you can be very similar in other respects too. I think that that's a fact, obviously. But um, the way your parents bring you up, those values uh, can really, really set you up for life. And 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 the ones who are, you know, we we all have most of us love our parents, but some people have parents who really go to an extreme to make sure that um, you're brought up in a, in a in a certain way. And my father and mother were both extremely extremely involved with anything i've ever done in my life and always tried to push me i guess you could say to make sure that i was putting in enough effort to to get a good result back and and um you know not that they never praised me they they were just kind of disappointed when i never did the best i they thought i could do so there's there's this constant thing in my life about uh i wouldn't call it imposter syndrome but never feeling like you're good enough uh you're never really satisfied with whatever you do, even if you do reach a high level in life of whatever you want to do. That's never it's never the ultimate. There's always a, a, another thing that you can do in life that brings you to a higher level. So, you know, people say, "Gosh, Frank, you've you've accomplished a lot. Why don't you just shut off and relax and you know enjoy the fruits of your labor?" It's I can't. I wouldn't be happy. I have to just keep you know, looking for another challenge that that makes a big uh, impact not only on my life, but on society, I guess. And, um, I remember you asked earlier about, you know, if you're never satisfied, how do you, how do you feel fulfilled? I don't know if it's really about feeling fulfilled because if you feel fulfilled, you might as well hang up your boots and, you know, check out. Um, it's that challenge that keeps me motivated to, to do, to do better or to do something better. And in terms of relationships, you know, I, I didn't get married till I was 50, you know, and I'd never been married before. And I kind of waited for a long time to get married. So I kind of had to make sure I got the right one in that sense. It, it took me a while, but I did find her. And um, so I, I am happy now, you know, I, I wouldn't change her in any way or shape or form. I'm happy. Um, but that's just, you know, because I found her. If I hadn't found her, I probably wouldn't be married yet. Yeah. So, um Yeah. That's 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 amazing. Um, well, I can't thank you enough for joining us and sharing your really mm. insane story with our listeners and uh, your wisdom and insight. Where can people find out more about you, uh, your work, and everything that you're up to? Uh, well, uh, let's see. There is that film that's just come out called Chasing Perfect. Uh, we'll be at Sonoma in end of March at the film festival, where there will be a screening of it, the International Film Festival of Sonoma, at the end of March. Then uh, we're working on a book at the moment that will be coming out probably later this year. So it's a it's a good in depth detailed story about 
about mindsets and, uh, and, and, and getting through life without depending on luck, I guess. And, uh, and the other thing obviously is the, uh, the website, there's a www.frankstephenson.com and that's, that's about the best way to do it. Um, chasing perfect is going on the motor trend channel. So it'd be downloadable through that, that site there. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm, um, boiling on the boil, as they say. Amazing. Uh, and for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the unmistakable creative podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.